So, we're here today to talk about covenant and contracts. This has been a favorite topic of mine for years, but before we dive into the heart of the sermon, uh, I want to give you all the love letter to Snowmass Chapel. It's been a magnificent six or eight weeks being with you all. It's hard for me to put into words uh, what a gift it's been. I've been in touch with Sharla virtually almost daily as she continues her journey to healing. Uh, none of us anticipated this last fall, uh, but here we are, and uh, I wanted to thank you all. Uh, it's been a remarkable journey for me as I, I'd like to share with you a little bit of my story of ministry because it helps shape, I think, what I want to say today and also what maybe your expectations of your future might look like. So in 25 years ago, I was in cardiology and still am, uh, but I commuted to Austin for a seminary degree with the understanding that I was to be bivocational. That's a technical term for somebody who is identity confused and wears two hats. Uh, <laughs> uh, I knew I was not being called to par parish ministry, but I was called to do something with uh, a theological education and teaching and preaching and sharing God's word in a different context. Part of that journey led me to be in all different kinds of churches. I've been in big churches with a thousand people. I've been in small churches with 10 people. Uh, I've found a great diversity uh, in God's kingdom in the way we worship. And in the Episcopal Church, we have an order of worship. It's kind of written in black and white. But it was interesting to me, to me to see that that order of worship could look differently. You know, it doesn't always look or feel the same. And so I've seen great gifts uh, in little bitty churches that are tremendously faithful. And I've seen great big churches that outwardly look successful, but inwardly are struggling. And so I've taken that background to this task that Charlotte has shared with me of uh, working with her under her leadership, working with you all under your leadership. And I must say that I found Somas Chapel to be one of the strongest and most beautiful expressions of ministry in God's kingdom that I've ever seen. I'm not sure you all realize how fortunate you are. Uh, you've got great clerical leadership for the last 35 years. You've got tremendous lay leadership with our music ministry, with Paul and Mika, with our, our guest performers. Uh, Damien's shared his music ministry with us over the years, over the last few months. And it's a wonderful mosaic to me to see a small church with its changing identity maintain its heritage while it's looking ahead to an exciting future. That's, that's a real gift. Uh, I think Sharla and her predecessors have bequeathed to us, but that gift comes with a set of challenges, right? To, to continue to be open to God's presence, to continue to listen. Uh, a church that says, well, we've never done it that way, that's the sign of a dead church. That's a sign of a dying church. Because God is always renewing his or her message to us, his or her embracing of the kingdom, and by that ch constantly changing we become transformed. And that's the, the final takeaway of the sermon I'm going to share with you, is what happens when we are transformed. So I want to circle now uh, back to the text, which is the use of the word covenant. Covenant is an old word. 
It actually predates biblical history. We like to think that the two prime covenants were the covenant we heard today with, Moses, with Noah, the second covenant with Moses, the final covenant with Jesus. It's a series of relationships that have to do with mutual promises. But covenants are different than, a king, than contracts. A contract is a legal document that's, that's binding. It tells us what we're expected to do and what are the consequences if we mess up and don't do it right. A covenant is a living, breathing, organic word that embraces the notion that by living into a covenant, we are transformed into something different. Contract does not call us to accountability except under the law. If we break the contract, well, what happens? We either write a new one, we get a lawyer, we get a judge, we negotiate our way through contracts. Our politicians tell us we have to have contracts because that's the way we win. And I would submit that God's kingdom is not about winners and losers. It's about embracing us all. When we live into the freedom of a covenant, we are transformed into something different. And that transformation is at the heart of the gospel. That's what happens in the, in the gospel reading about Mark. Whatever came down from the heavens, whether it was a dove or something that looked like a dove or felt like a dove, the people that witnessed that were transformed to go and do something different. That's different than a contract. Contracts, we all live in a world of contracts. None of us are naive enough to know that that's our reality. We have a contract with our employer, with our health care provider, with our spouse, with our organization that we volunteer with or we work for. Those are contracts that have legal ramifications. But we're not changed. We're not changed by a contract. I think this notion in society today that we have to see the world as transactional with winners and losers is one of the most fundamentally toxic messages we're hearing in modern life. We're not called to not be transformed. We're called to listen to God's voice in whatever form that takes, whether it's a dove or something like a dove or something that the disciples first saw and heard. And then we're called to do something with that. So that transformation is what shifts us from a world of contracts to a world of covenants have a fishing story I've got to share my last time with you all, uh, maybe ever, who knows, hopefully not. Um, a story I always preach at weddings. You know what a steelhead trout is? Okay. Steelhead trout is a little bitty rainbow trout that a few hundred thousand years ago, maybe millenniums ago, escaped from the Rocky Mountains in the Pacific Northwest and goes into the ocean and grows. It's no longer a rainbow trout. It's massive. They get as big as my body. They're transformed into something bigger and wilder and freer. But they're still genetically a rainbow trout. And so that's what happens to us. We may still be genetically humans when we look at each other. But now we're living into a covenant that calls us to a different kind of identity a different way of seeing the world, of responding to the pain and the suffering 
of the world. And that transformation is crucial because without transformation, we have no growth. We become stagnant. We get locked into our old ways of doing things and the new life that we're called to live, this life of abundance and grace, isn't available because we get locked into living in a world of contracts, what the world expects us to do. And I think we're at Snowmass Chapel at a wonderful opportunistic time in our history and our legacy of opening ourselves up to covenants, of opening ourselves up to transformation, of opening ourselves up to grace and to healing. That journey is not always easy, right? Sometimes it causes us to places we'd rather not be. Jesus warned the disciples over and over again, this is going to cost you something. Are you ready? And that's the message we need to be hearing over and over again. This transformation calls us out of our stagnation into freedom. The same freedom that a little bitty rainbow trout figured out when they ran to the ocean and grew to massive size. What do they do? They come back up river to spawn, to give new birth. Unlike a salmon, which then dies, these steelhead trouts give new birth, then they go back to live again. And that's kind of the metaphor we, we all share, this notion that we're, we're called to experience God in new and different ways to grow, to change, to be transformed with the covenant that is ongoing into something new. And the, the question then finally becomes, what do, we, what do we look like? You know, Carl Jung had a, had a great insight into human symbols when he, he said, you know, symbols are not signs. A symbol participates in the reality that it represents. So when we do communion, it's not just a piece of bread or a wafer. It's a, it, it becomes a part of an ongoing, living, breathing response to God's grace. So we live in this, within this world of covenants and symbols that we're called to do something different. You know, the word covenant, interestingly enough, predates biblical language. It goes back to the Babylonian and Assyrian Empire. And a covenant... Um, was seen as a power differential between a king and his subjects. So contracts assume an equality. Covenants, going back to the original uses of the word, means there's something powerful going on here. That two parties are entering into a relationship that is going to change both of them. That's the remarkable legacy of a covenant. Not only are we transformed, but I believe God has been transformed. That notion that God is somehow able to interact with community, with needs, and respond to pain and suffering is a remarkable glimpse into the unbelievable diversity of God's kingdom that takes place in all places, in all houses of worship. No matter their creeds or belief, God, I think, is open to all of us as we live into this notion of being transformed. So, the question I would leave with us is, what do people see when they see Snowmass Chapel? And Mark, you said, it looks like a dove. Do we look like a dove? What, do we, what does God see? 
I think God sees a remarkable community of people that are always listening and discerning and living into a new covenant. That's a gift, but it's a gift that requires responsibility. Part of that power differential means that we are responsible to one another. So we don't have to forge down this road, this unknown path, blindly. We trust that we're, whatever we're going to do, we're going to do together with God's presence and God's grace and God's leadership. And our lay team are equally part of that journey. So it's a mosaic of a tapestry that calls us into a different way of experiencing grace and love and being a, something in the community to say, oh, that's the last job. I recognize them by what they do. And for that, all we can say is what? Amen. Thank you, God.